Good morning, people of God. A very special welcome to those visiting with us today, either in person or online. We are so happy that you have joined us. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Beth Powell. I am a member here at King of Kings, and I also serve on the Synod Council as a representative for our conference, which is very much an honor. Uh, And Pastor Dave... Whom I am not <laughs> is home and quite under the weather, and he asked if I would lead us today and share his message, and so here I am. How blessed that we are here together to worship and give thanks to God together this morning. I have a few announcements for us. Uh, There is a ton going on this month, way more that I can even announce. So be sure to read through our Wednesday constant contact emails to stay up to date. Uh, We have our big fall festival coming up in two weeks with some awesome things going on. So check out the flyers that are all around church uh, and in our entryway and be sure to come and hang out with us. It's going to be a great day. Um, For those of you who are interested in learning more about King of Kings, we have a new member class next Sunday, October 15th, after the second service, and you are very welcome to come and learn and ask questions. Announcement that I would like to make that isn't written down here, but some of you may know that October is Clergy Appreciation Month, and today actually happens to be Clergy Appreciation Day. So I would encourage all of us to take a moment sometime this week, sometime this month, to send an email or send a note to Pastor Dave and Pastor Kelsey. They are quite the team, and we are very, very blessed by their leadership here. So show our pastors a little bit of love. (laughs) Uh, And finally, moving forward, we're taking yet another step to return to the worship order that we used prior to the pandemic, and we will be passing the offering plates today. Also, a heads up, uh, plans are to start communing at the front of our worship space starting the first Sunday in November. I think we're still looking for a couple more folks to help with the distribution of communion, if any of you are willing and able. So before we jump into our opening praise song, I advise you to rise as you are able and let us share the peace of the Lord with one another. Let us pray. Beloved God, from you come all things that are good. Lead us by the inspiration of your spirit to know those things that are right, and by your merciful guidance, help us to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. So, we are back in the book of Matthew this morning and into a really rough, tough text. Thank you very much, Pastor Dave, (laughs) for being sick for this one. (laughs) But we're not running from it. So I invite you to follow along on the screen as I read Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 33 through 46. 
Jesus said, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to his tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will those tenants do? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him. But they feared the crowds because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Sisters and brothers, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, for the record, I think I know what Matthew's up to here, and quite frankly, I am not a fan. This parable is also found in Mark and Luke, but has a few little differences. In Mark and Luke, it's Jesus answering his own question of what will the landowners do to these tenants. They have Jesus saying, he'll destroy those wicked, puts... They'll destroy those wicked tenants and give the land to another. In our reading for today from Matthew, he puts the answers in the mouths of the priests and the Pharisees, having them condemn themselves. He'll put those wretches to a miserable death and leave the vineyard to other tenants who are more worthy. Matthew's taking a huge jab here at the religious authorities who have been using their power and their privilege and their time to judge and condemn others, not seeing others through the eyes of God and God's kingdom, but through their own agendas. Because here's the thing. The violent answer the chief priests and Pharisees give Jesus is the right answer, at least according to the world. 
And on the surface, many of us may agree. The landowner has every right to punish the tenants for their refusal to pay him his due and every right to destroy them, even put them to death, for harming his servants and the murder of his son. Yes, it's the right answer. The answer Jesus' audience expects, the answer the world demands. And this is what we teach each other, don't we? We teach our kids this in sports. If you knock somebody down, get back up. Knock them down. It's a tough world. If someone hits you, get a bigger stick so they will not do that again. If someone kills you, they die too. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, wrong for wrong. But in Matthew's story, this is not the answer Jesus gives. Jesus uses parables, these little side stories, that are insights into what the kingdom of God looks like, often to prove a point, and also point to who God is, how God acts, and how we are expected and invited to live our lives. Which means that while the answer the chief priests and Pharisees give is the right answer, according to everything we've learned in our lives in this world, it is not the answer that God is looking for. In fact, the rest of Matthew, and indeed the whole beautiful Bible story, offers another answer that runs more like that famous line from John, and I know many of you here know that, this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Because in the end, dear ones, this parable isn't about wicked tenants or Pharisees or whoever Matthew was writing for, and really it isn't even for us. It's rather, it's rather about God. God, the one who entrusted us with all good things, blessing us beyond the dreams of our grandparents. God, the one who, even when disappointed by what we do with those blessings, comes to us in love. God, the one who weeps over the injustices in our world, embraces those who fall short, and promises to never, ever give up on anyone, not even those tenants. Not Matthew, with how much he likes to use such violent stories, and not even for us, when we refuse to recognize others, all others, is God's beloved children, and instead see them as competitors or threats or maybe even less than. So yes, this story is about a landowner, God, who even after knowing what those tenants have done, still sends his son, who even then, when killed, refuses, refuses to give up. And when the Pharisees, the chief elders, 
maybe even ourselves, demand punishment and retribution, notice Jesus' response. Haven't you read the scriptures? The Son is the cornerstone of all that God is about. And those who don't understand that there isn't life when we judge and condemn will fall upon the cornerstone and be shattered. And this is where the parable sort of gets flipped on us, inviting us to ask a more personal and relevant question. So what will we do, dear ones? Will we hoard our blessings, or will we share them? Will we embrace those in need, or shun them? Will we use our privilege to work for greater equity and justice for others, or be more concerned about securing our own future? Will we reach out to the Jesus we see and hear in our neighbor and only come to worship to see Jesus here and keep him inside these walls where it's so much more comfortable? How we answer these questions certainly doesn't change how we are saved. God has already seen to that. We are saved by grace through faith because of what Jesus has done, period. By how we answer, but how we answer coincides with who we choose to be as Christians. Because now that we know ourselves to be the God, to be those God wildly loves without regret, now that we know ourselves to be the one whom God risked everything, including his very own son, we're free to live with hope courage, and generosity. Having been healed, we can now offer to heal others. Having been reconciled and forgiven, we can be instruments of forgiveness and reconciliation. Having tasted the mercy of God's justice, we can risk ourselves in working for greater justice for others, and having been blessed beyond measure, we can be a blessing to those around us. The answer to life, dear ones, is never found in retribution, nor having more or bigger weapons, nor revenge, nor getting even. For any and every time we are hurt by words or by deeds, any time we've been wronged, any time we've felt betrayed, any time we've loved and it's been taken for granted, if we respond in kind, in anger, in vengeance to get even, or out of spite because we believe they deserve it, then we're no better off than those Pharisees, and we've lost the point of why Jesus lived and died for us. And as Jesus shares, our lives will end up crushed, filled with hatred and bitterness, and eventually regret. Today, Jesus invites us into another way forward. Let's be daring and build our lives, our thoughts, and our actions with Jesus as the cornerstone, a solid foundation to build upon that will never 
ever fail us or abandon us. We're called to build our lives around what he has done for us. We're called to forgive, to listen, to love, to build others up and to care for all of God's creation. We're all workers in this amazing creation that God has lent to us in our very short time here on earth. And just as Jesus shares in our reading for today, everything, everything is the landowner's. Everything is God. And when we start to understand this, our possessions no longer possess us. And we are free to love and serve one another. Dear God, we are grateful for this time here together this morning to hear your message of redemption, of love, Thank you for teaching us how to live. Keep our hearts open to you and all we do and help us go out into the world and share that love and message of forgiveness with all whom we encounter. In your name we pray. Amen. Please rise as you are able. Remembering the caring and generous works of God, we pray for the church creation, and the needs of our neighbors. At the end of each prayer, I will say, merciful God, please receive, please respond with, receive our prayer. Let us pray. God of all grace, you are the source of life and joy. Strengthen the resolve of your church throughout the world that together we better follow Jesus Christ. Merciful God, receive our prayer. God of all creation, you plant and nourish the earth as your own precious vineyard. Bless fields and orchards and the hands of those who labor in them, that your people are fed with an abundance harvest of good fruit. Merciful God, receive our prayer. God of all the earth, you desire peace and justice between nations and peoples. Guide leaders of nations, states, provinces, and cities that they faithfully govern your people with wisdom, integrity, and compassion. Merciful God. God of all compassion, in Christ you lovingly poured yourself out like wine for your people. Have mercy on all whom mourn, who struggle with their mental health, who cry out for justice, who hunger and all in need, especially those we now name either silently or out loud. Most merciful God, receive our prayer. God of all steadfastness, you set Christ as the cornerstone and foundation of the church. Build our family of faith up as living stones, that we rise in the community as a witness to your enduring faithfulness and love. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray, the prayer he taught us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. Please join me. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God, in the mercy of Almighty God. Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives all of our sins. As a called member of the Church of Christ, and by God's authority alone, I therefore declare the entire forgiveness of all of our sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let us continue our worship. At this time, I invite you to take out your communion kits or your bread and wine if you are at home for the 930 service as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, may you receive this blessing. May the God of glory... 
Jesus Christ, name above all names, and the Spirit who lives in you, bless you now and forever. Amen. And with that, go in, lo- go in peace and serve the Lord.